Well, good evening from Thousand Oaks and Cal Lutheran with Sean McVay. I am J.B. Long, ready for the Week 15 edition of the Coach McVay Show. Uh, the Rams coming off their second loss of the season in Chicago in prime time. And, uh, Coach, I always wonder if you take the quote-unquote offensive losses harder or more personally, games where maybe the offensive uh, side of the football doesn't hold up its end of the bargain. Yeah, I think every loss is, is tough. But I think especially when you feel like the defense played well enough for us to win that football game and – you know, specifically to your role as a, you know, the head coach, but, you know, as an offensive play caller, that's certainly something that stings a lot, you know, but no matter how you cut it, you know, a loss is a loss for a football team, but uh, specific to the things that you feel like, you know, you have a bigger, maybe sometimes influence on the outcome, uh, you know, that one definitely stings a lot just based on, you know, you know, not being very productive offensively and, and a large result of it was due to the fact that, you know, I think I put our players in tough spots. Mm-hmm. Uh, going back to your days in Washington, since you've taken over as the primary play caller, uh, going back to your days with the Redskins, this has never happened before. You've never been kept out of an end zone in an NFL game. So that's a new feeling for you. I imagine it's not a, a great one. Yeah, no, it's it's a humbling league, you know, and, um, you know, certainly, you know, the, the players end up doing a great – they've done a great job this year of, of being very productive on offense, but – um, these defenses are tough, and, and certainly we ran across a tough defense last night. I thought Coach Fangio did an excellent job with he and his staff putting together a great game plan, putting their players in good spots. And, you know, the only thing I know how to do is is learn from this, uh, make sure that we look at ourselves critically, and, you know, try to avoid some, making the same mistakes twice, and, and that's something that we're going to do moving forward. Again here tonight, but certainly last night in Chicago as well, you were very critical. You took a lot of the blame on your own shoulders. But I wanted to clarify in this first segment, just because uh, you hold a lot of the responsibility doesn't mean that you and your staff are not coaching each and every mistake that the players made here on Monday and throughout this coming week. Oh, absolutely. I think there's a shared accountability. And really, you know, the biggest thing that we talk about, JB, is if we expect our players to be coachable, to be receptive, to uh, being corrected with regards to the things that we're expecting them to do at a higher level, you know, we can't be afraid to admit to our mistakes. And, um, you know, that shared ownership, that shared accountability is certainly something that we believe in as an organization. And, um, you know, it's really more about everybody doing their role to the best of their ability, but not being afraid to admit to mistakes and, and be honest about their self-evaluation. And that's something that I've got to do a good job of. And if we expect our players to do the same thing, but um, no, we, we, we have high expectations for the, you know, the way that we expect to operate as a coaching staff and with our players and their mm-hmm. ability to execute within the framework of the roles that they have specific to offense, defense, or special teams. And, and certainly that's something that uh, we, we, we coach them hard. Uh, with Sean McVay, I'm Jay long this is the week 15 edition of the coach McVay show and what was so uncharacteristic about last night is it was some of your veterans some of your captains in certain instances uh, committing some of these mistakes that we are just not accustomed to seeing on a week-to-week basis for instance Andrew Whitworth with two false starts I mean he had two all of last season for your franchise yeah you know and, and that was kind of you know it was kind of the perfect storm of some things that are like you mentioned uncharacteristic of the of the players that we do have specific to the offensive side of the ball and um, you know, it, it kind of seemed to happen at different times too, where, you know, if some of those things occur on one play where it's a bunch of guys that, you know, you typically don't see make those types of things or those types of mistakes, then you can kind of overcome it. But it, it kind of ended up being where everybody had their hand in it. And, um, you know, that's where you look at it and you say, I, I do believe that this is an outlier type performance. This is not indicative of the type of offense we are. Uh, certainly we don't ever let one game define us, whether it be good or bad. And, 
in this, you know, in this instance, especially, you know, last night will be no different. And um, I have full confidence and trust that we'll move forward and respond the right way from this. Uh, Sean, what role, if any, do you think the conditions played in the way uh, the game went and ultimately the outcome for the Rams? You know, I, I don't I don't want to make the, any sort of excuse they had to play in those elements as well. Uh, I think the first thing is, is you don't want to take away from the credit that the Bears deserve. Sure. Uh, you know, I thought they're, they're a very tough defense. They have some outstanding individual players. And I think Coach Fangio did a great job putting a game plan in place mixing it up situationally and throughout the course of the game to kind of keep us and, and me off balance. And, um, you know, that's that's where they deserve the credit. But then there are some things that, regardless of who you're playing, um, you know, we've got to do a good job of looking inwardly and making sure that, you know, we don't beat ourselves. And that's the biggest thing. And I think that's what's been indicative, really, of our football team as a whole up to this point. Now, is it ever perfect? Certainly not. But um, like we'll say over and over again, and it almost gets monotonous, JB, it's about the response. Um, everybody inevitably especially in this league you just look around there's why there's only one team that's ever gone undefeated you know you do face some sort of obstacle or some sort of setback in adversity and um, you know whatever it is in any sport really you know the people that have the best uh, mental toughness that resilient mindset and mentality and the ability to respond is, is usually what sets people apart from uh, you know being able to get things done consistently and not only segment one here with coach McVay will have an audible segment and a preview of the matchup with the Philadelphia Eagles back at the uh, Coliseum upcoming. I do want to touch just briefly on the defensive side of the football, some of the great things that they did. And I know it's not as simple as just having to keep to lead back on the field. But certainly when he has been on the field for your group this season, everything just looks to be in order and the results are spectacular. Yeah, he's done a great job. You know, and his communication certainly isn't understated or underappreciated. He, you know, he does a great job of making sure that everybody kind of knows the situation. What are the calls and the communication within the framework of what defense that we're activating or that Wade decides to call? And I think Wade called a good game, put our players in good spots last night. And, um, you know, and they were able to make some plays, you know, to be able to get those three turnovers was something to be said for. But having a key back is a big big boost for our defense and really the results speak for themselves uh, do we have any sense of like how good a pass catchers the extra tackles for the philadelphia eagles are not to get too far ahead of yeah. ourselves but that seems to be the way to, to beat wade phillips defense I, at this point yeah that was uh you know detroit got us a couple weeks back and then you know that was a, a, a very creative type play where they shift to the gun get a little play action and they're sending him on a corner type route where it was a great catch by him you know they made a good play right there uh, just getting started on a monday night with coach sean mcveigh in thousand oaks at the rams facility facility coming up we'll talk a little bit of uh, Jared Goff and Todd Gurley plus was that as well as any opponent has contended with MVP candidate Aaron Donald that's when we continue on this edition of the Coach McVay show from Thousand Oaks on ESPN LA 710 welcome back to the Rams facility in Thousand Oaks with Sean McVay I'm JB Long looking forward to week 15 at the Coliseum the Philadelphia Eagles are back a little more than a year since the epic game that was staged in 2017. Uh, the Rams are 11-2 and two and still pursuing their playoff by uh, Coach Sean McVay with me now. And a couple of roster decisions upcoming, I know, for your group. Uh, one with Malcolm Brown being injured last week. I yep. know you plan to put him on IR. And then if you could update us on uh, what transpired with Dom Hatfield on special teams in Chicago last yeah, night. Yeah, unfortunately, he hurt his ankle. A uh, real similar injury to what Farrell Cooper had earlier in the year where uh, stretched some ligaments out. He's got to get a tightrope procedure done. Unfortunately, there was no you know fibula or anything else like that involved, but it is going to be something that will require us to put him on IR. We will put Malcolm Brown on IR eventually, and um, you know, and then we'll end up uh, putting T Young back on the active roster. Um, so, what we do with that extra spot, you know, is still do be determined. Uh, we'll get a chance to sit down and talk with Les and our coaching staff and figure out what's going to be best. Um, 
you know, whether you do that from somebody outside the building or whether you do that with one of our practice squad players. But unfortunate to lose Dom. Uh, done, again, another guy that's been a big-time contributor for Bones uh, and then, you know, has continued to grow as a DB under, you know, E and uh, Aubrey's leadership. All right, we continue with uh, Sean McVay upcoming, a segment we call Audibles with your questions from social media directly to the head coach and a preview of the matchup with Philadelphia. They are 6-7 and seven following an overtime loss in Dallas over the weekend. Uh, let's talk some quarterback here. And, and Jared Goff these last couple of weeks has been under duress. I think a lot of us are surprised having talked to members of your offensive line who thought the bye week was going to be really good for them, was going to rejuvenate them. Why do you think uh, Jared has been under such heat the last couple of weeks? Well, I think there's been some situations where, you know, we've played some good defensive fronts. They've done a good job applying pressure. And then, you know, there's an element of, you know, we can do some different things better. And and I think especially when you look at last night, you know, there was a, you know, a very skewed run pass balance. Uh, you get into some situations where they're able to kind of tee off on us. And, and I think, again, going back to just being mindful of putting your players in positions to consistently have success, I certainly didn't do that. And, you know, some of the things they presented uh, did kind of skew us in terms of that, that balance. But however you want to cut it, I'm making excuses. And uh, I got to be mindful of putting our guys in better spots. But I think it's more of, you know, the, the defensive fronts have done a good job. You know, and then there's certainly some instances where the guys got to do a better job of understanding within the framework of whatever we're utilizing, whether it's a play action protection, drop back protection. Where's our help? How can we implement some of the techniques and the fundamentals that Coach Cromer is emphasizing on a day-to-day basis? And uh, it's an imperfect game. Guys take the coaching the right way. But you know, I think we have almost gotten spoiled with what a phenomenal job these guys have done that when you do see them get hit, it looks so out of the norm because of the way that they've played throughout the course of the year. Uh, but but we, we trust that that's going to be an outlier and, and not something that, that we see. And, and, and there's a huge role that I feel like I play in that with regards to some of the things that you're activating with regards to those protections when they are within the framework of the situations. And, and that's something you got to just be honest with yourself about. Are, are you putting your players in, in positions to have success and if you're not um, you know you got to make sure that you get it fixed and evaluate yourself first and then be able to move forward you know and prepare for the upcoming opponent the run pass imbalance that you touch on there I think it was 13 on the ground you know 44 pass attempts and three sacks is it that like the run pass distribution or is it more just finding someone like Todd Gurley whether it's in any situation or any element of your offense (laughs) I think it's a little bit of both you know because in a lot of instances if you decide to throw it as far as a play action on a first and 10 and you go in completion, now, you know, your run options are very limited with regards to getting back on track and, and trying to do some different things than to avoid some of the third and longs. You have two minute situation at the end of the half. You have, you know, really a two minute situation where you're kind of playing from behind. So I think that does get your run pass balance off a little bit. But, but again, it goes back to never losing sight of getting a player like Todd Gurley more involved in the flow of a game, specifically when you get a feel for that type of game, what it is it's one thing if you're having to keep pace it's a totally different deal when our defense was playing as well as they were and you know there's turnovers are at a premium uh exposing yourself to potentially getting in those situations whether it's getting a safety whether it's turning it over to when it then it ends up leading to points for them so those are all the things that you've got to do a better job of and that's something that is ongoing process jb where you know are you really having a feel for you not only your preparation throughout the week but ultimately how the game flows and then being able to adjust and adapt to try to put your team in a position to win a football game. And that's something that, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm continuing to learn, and, and you got to do a good job with that. Do you appreciate that Todd does not seem to be at least externally the kind of person who's going to lobby for more touches, at least not publicly? He has everything, you know, in every instance and every time he's been asked, he says, hey, those are your decisions to make. 
Or conversely, would you like him to come up and tap you on the shoulder on the sideline in the locker room wherever and say, "Hey, don't forget about me. Get me some." Yeah, I think well, Todd's a great competitor. He he want you know he's going to want the football, but he's 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 ultimately all about the team, and I think he trusts our decisions. But you know, he's going to always say the right thing, which mm-hmm. is why he's a great leader for our football team. But he's an elite competitor. He's always going to want you know the ball, but I think he also understands uh, what's the best way to go about that in terms of leading and doing things the right way. And then there's a role that I have to make sure that uh, you do get him the ball you know the the amount of times that he deserves and what's best for a football team and when the ball's in his hands good things happen this might be a little bit technical but i wonder if there's a teaching point on the safety a situation second and 15 from the eight so goffin the shotgun has his feet effectively on the four yard line drops to the one after taking the snap mm-hmm. Um, from a quarterback teaching standpoint, is there something to be said there for like just not drifting back from pressure, knowing where you are in the field in that situation? Yeah, you know, I think really you know, you always want to be aware of it, but you know, they did such a good job, you know, where he's really taking a three step drop. Usually, you're right at about seven, seven and a half yards depth in the pocket, which puts you right about that half yard line. And Eddie Goldman won so quickly that as he's getting ready to progress past, you know, we had Brandon Cooks on an in breaking route, but he was kind of connected to a Mukamura, and um, you know, by the time he was was ready to try to let that thing go he had to sit on his back foot a little bit to let him work and then eddie goldman's right in his face and there was really nowhere else to go with it mm-hmm. so you do want to be uh, you know aware of that but you know there's some things that you can't avoid and i don't know what he could have done to avoid it just based on you know how quickly you know he got into the backfield right mm-hmm. there end of the first half uh, eight seconds left the bears clearly doing their best to take away the sideline right with that kind of yep. umbrella coverage there uh, you opted to go Hail Mary on that play rather than trying to take one more shot at the sideline and kick the field goal, presumably. Can you yep. just share your thought process on that with us? Yeah, really for us, you know, if you're going to take a chance for a Hail Mary, you know, when they're in a sideline defense, that's actually the best time to try to be able to get that thing completed as far as as opposed to the prevent. And, you know, for us, you know, when they are playing a sideline defense, you know, you don't have the ability to complete a ball inbounds when you're at eight seconds left with it, you know, in the clock because if it's completed inbounds, you're not going to have enough time to ever get it clocked. So for us, you could either go the route of, which we discussed, you know, taking an, es- an extra, you know, five yards by with a musket out of bounds type play and then maybe kicking it. But it's still right in that framework of, OK, when you're on the 48, best case, you know, on the minus 48, best, best case scenario, you get another five, six yards. Well, then they go put, you know, Tariq Cohen back there. And if it doesn't get all the way there in a, you know, in a cold atmosphere and environment similar to what we faced earlier in the year at Seattle, where we debated whether we were going to kick a field goal. Now, it's different when you have Greg as opposed to Cairo but but still the elements and what could occur right there we just felt like that was the best case scenario but there are a couple different things that that you could do to approach that situation but that was what we felt like was best given the you know the way that they set up set the defense and um, what we felt like was going to be you know the the highest percentage play for us Uh, still so much to get to on this edition of the coach McVay show as his Rams prepare to face the Philadelphia Eagles Uh, Dante Fowler Jr. continues to show up on the edge we'll talk a bit about that in our next segment and then the rookie offensive linemen, both called into action in playoff-type conditions on the road in Chicago. We'll evaluate their performance as we continue with the head coach of the Los Angeles Rams. He's Sean McVay. I'm J.B. Long, and this is ESPN LA 710. Uh, welcome back to the Coach McVay show from the Rams facility in Thousand Oaks. J.B. Long with the head coach of the Los Angeles Rams, Sean McVay. Uh, Carson Wentz and the Philadelphia Eagles coming back to town. We'll have a preview of that Week 15 matchup in our final segment. And then coming up next, your questions on social media. Audibles presented to the head coach uh, still to come. I want to talk a little bit to start this segment, if we could, about timeout usage, um, which it must be agonizing for Mm -hmm. you to have to take them in any kind of early half situations. Is there 
a recurring issue that's kind of forcing your hand, do you think, more often than not, or is each one of those circumstances where you have to weigh, hey, take the five or use the sure. timeout? Yeah, now, it's different. been, you know, a lot of those were in some scoring situations where we didn't want to, you know, take a lost yardage play and worry about a delay. You want to make sure you get the right play in. And, and specific to last night, you know, it was it was my fault. You know, you get you get some different things in. You got some word of your play calls. It's a little bit muffled based on the noise and the different elements with the crowd noise. And then when you're operating against the play clock, uh, you know, I just really didn't give us enough time so uh, those were, were on me there's been some other instances this year where based on you know whether we needed to use it for defense if we weren't aligned to a personnel grouping or you know again some things with the offense with regards to just making sure that we're operating within the play clock the timing and the rhythm but there were some things that you know the road atmosphere presents uh, from a communication standpoint that you know I got to do a much better job of, of you know not making the same mistakes twice and and this is something that that has occurred before you know mostly last year year uh, but it, when it when it has occurred this year um, you know it just it just can't happen and and those are things that um, you know you got to make a decision JB do you want to take the yardage loss there or if in scoring position do you feel like the timeout usage is is more important and, and in some of those instances that's what occurred but um, again you know however you want to cut it you know it's just got to be avoided and, and that's something that you know I, I just can't do to our team when it does happen though do you think uh, traditionally like kind of across the NFL historically there's a misperception that it's more valuable to save those for end of half situations than maybe to preserve a situation where you've got a much better chance of getting seven or versus three yeah you know and I think you know you can't take them into you know you don't you, you can't leave a game with them they don't carry over so uh, specifically the the second half is where you really need them based on not knowing how it's going to play out at the end of the game so uh the first half maybe you make some decisions but but i think it's all based on the flow of the game and uh you know you'd prefer not to have to utilize them in some of the situations that we have but for us it's just about what do we deem the most important at that time and um that was what happened yesterday Another uh, odd situation that came up, situation deep in the second quarter, Bears facing fourth down, they line up to punt initially, run their offense onto the field. Uh, the officials, I think, correctly allowed you to substitute, and Coach Nagy even said today, apologizing to the officials, that he handled it correctly. But I'm curious, from your perspective, how that all transpired and what they were trying to accomplish yeah, there. Yeah, you know, I don't know if they were trying to get a playoff or not. You know, really what happened was, I think Massey ended up running into Carl Johnson, one of the officials, so then they weren't set in an appropriate alignment to be able to get the ball snap but you know when you're under two minutes at each of those halves you know they don't have to allow you to be able to match personnel so I think that was under the two minutes uh, in the first half so by rule they don't have to allow you to get a, a you know a match just based on where it is at the end of the first half or at the end of the game I think that was more along the lines of you know the official not being in place and there's been some instances for us specific to the Chiefs game where we were on the ball uh, and and really we got a big play. We were trying to go on the ball, but then we were waiting for the officials to then get themselves aligned to be in the proper spots to be able to officiate and be able to look at which positions and, and people that they're responsible for kind of keeping an eye on during you know each given play. And um, that was what occurred, and, and that seems to be kind of the case with what occurred yesterday as well. Did I catch that you even know the official's name who was Knox? Carl Over Johnson a, across Carl's the a good field guy, man. It was, I think it was Carl, yeah. <laughs> That's next level stuff. How do you think uh, your fake punt situation played out? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was good. You'd prefer not to have to use a challenge on it. You know, I thought it was a great effort by Gerald, good ball location by Johnny, and, and again, a good design by Bones. But, uh, you know, it was a big play. Uh, you know, it ended up leading to us coming away with, with points on that drive, which 
was was big for us to be able to kick a field goal. I think that was the drive that Greg ended up hitting the 50-yarder. But, um, you know, we just, you know, wish we had more plays like that that mm-hmm. were positive. Mm-hmm. Was that as well as any opponent has contended with the force that Aaron Donald is again this year? Well, I think they had a good game plan. You know, you could see, you know, they were mostly sliding to him. The ball was coming out quickly. Um, you know, with some of the run things that they were doing, they had some perimeters and some downhill direct runs. But, um, you know, Aaron Aaron affected the game, you know, based on, you know, what, what that enabled them to do, you know, just from a play selection and some of the things to try to not allow him to disrupt it. Mm-hmm. That's why he's a great player, um, you know, but, but I think that they did a nice job of putting in a plan to try to not let him wreck it. But as a result of that, you know, you are limited with some of the things that you can activate and some of the longer developing things where you can make some explosive down the field but they had a nice plan they did a good job I thought they ran the ball well and you know and they they did enough to win the football game some of the plays that Fowler is making in recent weeks is that an example of an individual taking advantage of some of that attention that Aaron is drawing and maximizing his one-on-one opportunities well I think so I think anytime that you're playing with a player like Aaron you know he's going to require some attention but I also think he's doing a great job just winning some individual matchups I mean you see the way that he's able to eliminate his you know limit his surface area shoulder underneath and uh, be able to get a big stop on the third down in the red zone where he and John Franklin kind of combined for that sack but um, you know he's done a nice job and he's consistently shown up I think he's got a good feel you can see even on some of the boots and different misdirections mm-hmm. his ability to put the foot in his put the put his foot in the ground excuse me and redirect you just feel his speed um, and you know he's he's done a nice job love his play energy and, and he certainly picks up the level of our defense uh, did you have a sense of how intense he was going to be matching the running game in addition to what he's able to do turning a corner and getting to a quarterback you know I, I always thought very highly of him as a player you know and really he was more of a situational player for the for the Jags but I mean you see why he's a top top tier pick and uh, he's done a good job, really like the way that he's fit in. You can see he enjoys the guys and uh, been very coachable, and uh, he's been a positive uh, you know, addition for our team for sure. All right, I will step aside and turn the conversation over to our social media audience. Audibles is coming up next with some of your questions directly to the head coach of the Los Angeles Rams, Sean McVay on ESPN LA 710. Welcome back to the Coach McVay Show from the Rams facility in Thousand Oaks. I'm JB Long. Great to have Sean McVay with me. Uh, the Rams take their second loss of the season in Chicago, but they're still 11-2 and and a chance to clinch a bye in this month of December in the postseason. We turn our attention to audibles now. Questions from social media to the head coach, and we'll start with uh, Mark on Twitter. Uh, Sean, what do you say or do to uh, settle down your quarterback on the sideline when he's in the midst of a rough game? Yeah, I think really, you know, you just, you know, you just kind of talk through what's going on. Uh, here's what we want to be able to do to get back into a rhythm and a timing. And, and you hope to be able to, again, you know, make some, you know, play selections and put them in some spots to have some success. But I think it's really about, you know, the, the putting the players in a position to be able to consistently make plays based on what the defense is presenting. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's a completion play. Sometimes it's running the football. But, you know, the nice thing about Jared is his best, one of his best traits is that he's poised. He doesn't let the circumstances affect the way that he continues to compete and I never sense that he gets rattled during a game uh, whether things are going you know as uh, unfortunate as they were yesterday I never felt any sort of uh, panic or anything like that and, and I think that's why you have uh, such a good feel that that will respond and, and you use those learning opportunities uh, to stay strong even in spite of that loss uh, next question was the most popular this week there were several uh, who submitted it where did the jet sweeps go was the essence of it why were they not featured as prominently yeah I mean we probably should have you know that's something that when you look at you know there's a couple different things um, you know some of the defenses they were presenting where they had hard edges 
edges and guys are right up the field, so you're totally out leveraged at the line of scrimmage. But there were definitely some instances where we felt like, you know, that was something that actually, you know, just earlier today as you're evaluating yourself, uh, what are some things that you got away from that you could have activated that would have given us a chance to have some more success, and that's one of them. And, um, you know, I, I wish I had the fans tweeting me during the game. <laughs> we can make that happen if you're serious. I'm sure yeah. you're not. Uh, Bob from Twitter next. Uh, the team went to Colorado Springs to practice in high altitude anticipating the Mexico City game. Uh, was there any thought given to staying in the Midwest after the Lions contest to practice in the cold and prepare for Chicago? Yeah, it's a good thought. Uh, you know, really didn't just because you, you know, we were we kept the players away from their families for that whole week. Uh, and you always want to be mindful of, of there's the families, you know, you're getting ready for a game, but you always want to be considerate of families, wives, kids that are that are a part of this as well. And um, sometimes, you know, you got to weigh the, the pros and the cons with if there is something that's going to truly give you a strategic advantage. We actually got some weather that felt really similar to what we played in last night, uh, even last week here out in L.A. But uh, that wasn't something that we talked about. But if, if we hadn't done the Colorado Springs trip uh, where you take the players away from their wife and kids, and I know it was a circumstance that was a little bit different because some of them came out based on the fires, mm-hmm. uh, that would have been maybe something that you consider. But you always want to be mindful of their families and, and all those things that that are the most important thing at the end of the day. I'll just interject a question of my own here, but it's reflective of a lot of conversation I saw today, which is the Rams built in 11 personnel as you are. Does Mm -hmm. that structure, does that style hold up in December, January if you were in cold conditions again? Now, hopefully if it plays out the way you want it to, that won't be an issue, but what's your thought on that philosophically? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I I think that, you know, we still have the ability to to be a physical downhill direct running team and some different things like that, and um, you know, last night's performance wasn't indicative of you know you know why we maybe were limited in the run game it, again it goes back to me and and that's where it's about you know being you know quicker to react and adjust and adapt based on some of the things that a defensive uh, coaching staff or you know a defensive team presents and um, you know I, I don't think so but uh, you know last night was certainly a humbling one and, and we've got to be able to learn from that but I don't think last night is indicative of uh, how cold weather games would play out you can go back to the Denver game game you know where we were able to run the football pretty efficiently there so uh, each week presents a new narrative and unfortunately for us last night was one where you know the Chicago Bears defense did a great job against our offense back to our audience in a segment we call audibles your questions directly to the head coach Alex is next Uh, sometimes a top tier team needs a loss for various reasons he says could you possibly see this loss as a a positive for your franchise long term yeah that's the only thing that we're going to use it as is a positive because there's no there's there's only really two ways to react you let it affect you and 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 you know lose your confidence lose your edge and uh and let it carry on or you move on and and you learn from it accordingly and i trust fully that that's exactly what we're going to do as a coaching staff um, you know, we're going to do that as our players are going to do that. And, and really, you have no choice. And, and we look at those things just like we did with the New Orleans game. You know, setbacks are setups for comebacks. That's exactly what it's going to be. It was great to get back into the office today, uh, look at it. We'll do that same thing when our players get back in the building. And then, and then we'll move on and we'll do the best we can to get ready for Philly. Uh, Jaron is next. How impressed were you with the play of the defense? Uh, what stood out the most on that side of the football? Yeah, I just think the you know how sound they were. Good job with the communication. Uh, I thought you know anytime that you're able to get three turnovers and uh, three inter- you know when you get three interceptions, uh, you know usually that's going to be a recipe for winning football. And unfortunately for us, uh, we turned it over more than they took it. Then our defense mm-hmm. took it away. But uh, I thought the defense did a great job. And that's where you know it's a team game, and our players stay connected. They stay you know with each other through the good, through the bad. But uh, ultimately, you know from our offense, we expect to play better 
and 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 you know really I thought you know we we didn't give ourselves a chance to win the football game just based on our performance last night. Uh, getting in at 4 a.m. as we did, I have not been able to fully turn my attention to the Eagles yet. We'll talk a little bit about them in the next segment, but I wonder with all the RPO that Trubisky and the Bears run, knowing kind of where that comes from and how the Eagles popularized it, do you think there's some carryover there for your defense this week going Bears to Eagles? Yeah, absolutely. Really in Kansas City within the last couple weeks sure. too. You know, you're all looking at kind of under Coach Reed's tutelage. Um, you know, with with Coach Peterson's history with him, and then obviously with Coach Nagy. So mm-hmm. there is a lot of carryover when you just look at foundationally. Um, you know, what is kind of their their system and their foundation of what their offensive system is predicated on, or what are some of the things that they're doing um, that you're seeing that are some of the new trends specific to the systems that that you know really implement those. So uh, it should be something that you know we'll have some uh, ability to translate from week to week, but each week presents a new challenge, and you know certainly some of the things that that you know Coach Peterson and, and the Eagles do offensively with, with Wentz leading the way is a little bit different than what we've seen from Trubisky. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eric with our next Audible's question. He says, uh, haven't seen Gurley's girdles, uh, his hurdles like we've seen in previous years much this year. Has he been instructed to refrain from hurdling, possibly for injury protection? No, he hasn't. Uh, I think you know what Todd's got a great feel for is, is when to activate it at the right time. And um, you know he's had a couple of them that that happened earlier in the year, but but I think he picks and chooses his right spots just based on you know the feel for the way that people are pursuing or the way that people are coming at him directly, and uh, I think it just hasn't come up. But but he's uh, you know we want him to be smart. We never want to you know risk him for injury, but he's demonstrated the ability to have a good feel for when to you know activate that move, if you will, and when not to. We saw it from Marcus on the interception return. We did at the sideline. There you go. Got a couple extra yards. Uh, final question in audibles, and it belongs to. A- Robert, in both losses this season, uh, there's been a, a fake kick, a fake punt, fake field goal, as you might have it. Uh, in those cases, are you hoping they provide a spark to the team emotionally, or are you simply trying to extend an offensive drive? Yeah, really. I mean, you know, in the instance of the, you know, the Saints game, you know, we were trying to score there. We felt like that had a potential to, you know, to be a touchdown right there, and. Um, you know, and then the, and then the instance of last night, you know, it was really something that we just felt good about. And, you know, the, the fake based on the look that their, you know, punt return unit had presented and our ability to execute it. And we're always, you know, Bones does a great job of identifying those types of situations where we can either extend a drive or come away with points based on is it a fake field goal? Is it a fake punt? Uh, and Johnny's ability to be able to do so many different things gives you a little bit bigger menu than what you're typically accustomed to seeing just based on the type of player and the caliber of player that he is. So those are things that we'll always have up and active. And unfortunately, you know, we did use two of those uh, in some situations uh, that, you know, that it didn't work out. But we also faked the punt and hit Sam Shields against the Packers where we ended mm-hmm. up winning and hitting him. So, um, you know, I don't think that's exclusive, you know, to us losing those games this year. Sure. Uh, thanks as always, Sean, for being willing to take the questions from our audience. And thanks to those of you who submitted of them. We got to just a fraction, of course, as always. But nonetheless, we appreciate your contributions to the Coach McVay show. One final segment coming up, and the Philadelphia Eagles are back in Los Angeles. Uh, we'll talk about the state of Philadelphia as it pertains to the Rams coming up in Week 15 on ESPN LA 710. Final segment of this Week 15 edition with head coach Sean McVay. I'm JB Long. Thank you for being with us. Uh, Philadelphia 6-7 and seven and coming to the Coliseum. Uh, we'll get to them in just a moment. I did want to touch on uh, the rookie backups along your offensive line, Coach, before we're done here tonight. Uh, for a while now, you've been rolling with just seven active on your 53-man mm-hmm. roster, both forced into action in Chicago. 
Uh, first, how they perform, and then I wonder if they're better for that experience, having seen an elite defense in that environment. Yeah, they both did a really nice job. You know, Brian stepped in for a few snaps for you know for John when he had to go out, and and I thought he did an excellent job. You know, we got the you know in and out of the huddle and uh, did a good job in protection and, and some of the different things that that we did. And then when Joe had to come in for a couple plays for Roger, you know, he 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 uh, you know did well as also. And and both those guys are players that we have a lot of confidence in. Uh, we have a lot of expectations for them as they move forward. But I think just based on the nature of some of the experience that they get, you know, it's always going to be valuable, whether it's against a, a team like Chicago, even if it's in practice. And, and they've used that as a, uh, as ways to get better. And, and I think last night presented an opportunity for them to show that. But Coach Cromer does a great job leading that unit, and uh, those are guys that we have a lot of confidence in. Of course, they're not just uh, replacing the physical attributes of players like Witt and Sully, but like so much between the ears that those players sure. offer your offense and your entire uh, organization. Are they soaking up some of that in the hours that they get to spend on the field and in the film room with those two individuals? Yeah, they really are. And, and you know, I think it's a credit to the leadership that John and, and both Andrew provide, you know, and really, you know, Roger as a veteran presence sure. as well, where these guys are receptive to it and, and they really make it make it a point to kind of invest in mentoring them. And I think that's something that's genuine and authentic and it's going to help them grow, whether it's uh, helping them progress right now or down the road when, when they're eventually, you know, uh, in, in some of those roles more full-time, you know, whether that be a, a year, a couple years, whenever it is, and, and that's a credit to their leadership, their guidance, to try to really truly invest in these guys and, and help them grow and uh, be ready to go whenever their time comes. All right, to the Eagles, and it's right at the one-year mark since they were here last in a game that many thought was the game of 2017. Uh, how does it uh, kind of stand in your memory, even though it wasn't the outcome you wanted that game a year removed? Yeah, I mean, it was a great game. I remember it being a, a high-caliber back-and-forth football game. Uh, you know, two good teams going at it, and, and really, you know, they ended up making enough plays at the end. You know, Chris Long gets a great strip sack that ends up leading them, kicking a field goal and, and taking the lead, and, and that was kind of really how they ended up winning it because – you know, the score is when they ended up scoring on the last play when we were kind of trying to just get it, you know, the last little play and they ended up scoring and, and you know, at the end, I think that kind of skewed the score a little bit. But it was a great, great game. Uh, two good teams going back and forth. And, you know, obviously, unfortunately, you know, Carson ended up getting hurt sure. in that game. And that was when Foles came in and, and made a couple big time conversions. But, um, you know, you just have a lot of respect. And, and it, it was a great atmosphere at the Coliseum for sure. In hindsight, you could kind of point to numerous ways, including the injury at quarterback, as to how that set the course for the way that they finished their year. Right, they sure. get the division, they get their playoff spot. Their roster's a little bit altered. Maybe their mindset, having won on the road uh, against the Los Angeles Rams, and they go on to win a championship. Yeah, and you know, I think you know, again, you always use these other examples that you have in sports to be able to learn from yourself. And, and they were a team that was really rolling. They were, they came off a really tough loss against Seattle on the road, uh, coming into our place where they actually stayed out in California last year and found a way to get a big win. And I, w- I want to say that was when they ended up clinching the NFC East against us last year. And, um, you know, they ended up getting the one seed, and, and that was a big deal for them. But, uh, again, what you see with good football teams, and certainly they're still a very good football team. They won a world championship last year, is the ability to respond from some adversity. We've done that in small instances based on the way we responded from the New Orleans game. And now here comes another opportunity for us to do it the right way. And uh, it's a challenge that I think we're all ready to accept. Uh, you were busy getting ready for your game, so I'm not sure how much you saw of the Eagles and the Cowboys, but we were keeping an eye on it, and boy, a couple of flags, a couple of whistles, maybe a play or two goes their way, and they 
very easily could have one on the road in Dallas, which has got to be one of the toughest places to get a win right now. In the Absolutely. NFL. You know, the way that they're playing is, is uh, you know, they're they're as hot as anybody in the league. And uh, it just goes to show you how competitive this league is. And, and Philly's very capable of, of, you know, taking it to anybody. Uh, they've got they've got great systems in place. They've got great players, great coaches. And, um, you know, they're the reigning world champs. So you, you got a lot of respect for these guys. And, and we got to be ready to go. And we know that they're going to be the, ready to go when they come here on uh, on. Sunday night depleted on defense of course but clearly enough there to still impact games given what they did against Dallas yeah they've had some unfortunate injuries where you're getting a lot of guys that uh you know are having to play specific to the back end that you know that really they probably didn't expect to utilize but they've still got a dangerous front uh they've got guys on the second level that can run and and they've got a leader in Malcolm Jenkins on the back end that I think is uh as active and as productive a safety as there is but uh coach Schwartz does a great job and and you know it's going to be a phenomenal challenge for us well, I know it's not your favorite uh, Monday of the season, but thank you for powering uh, through with me for this hour. We appreciate your context, as always, and wish you the best in Week 15. Thanks, J.B. Appreciate it. All right, it. for Sean McVay, I'm J.B. Long. Thank you for being with us for this edition of the Coach McVay Show on ESPN LA 710.